Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome friends to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a lot of awesome pro revenge stories and our first ones from Raj already taken. Salesman won't tell us the car prices. I was car shopping with my dad many years ago. We're both in construction, so we're dressed in somewhat rugged clothing at the time. My dad also had a heavy Indian accent, so usually experiences far more racism than I do. We were in a Toyota dealership and seemed to be reluctantly greeted by an older white salesman that obviously wasn't happy to see us. My dad's asking about a Tundra pickup truck, and the guy just keeps on telling him it's very expensive. My dad's pressing more and more, and the sales guy's practically steering him to the smaller model truck because it's more affordable. My dad's frustrated, so I start asking about the hybrid Highlander, fairly new technology at the time, and the sales guy's shocked that I'd even dare ask about such an expensive car. Wouldn't sit down with us to talk about packages and pricing, just dismissed me as a guy that could never afford it. We walked away and said goodbye to the guy, and he was happy to leave us alone. We didn't leave though, and were approached by another salesman in a few minutes, asking if we needed any help. 30 minutes later, we're both ready to sign paperwork for a new high-end Tundra and a new mid-to-high-end hybrid Highlander. I had been approved already for financing, and my dad was buying his truck outright. The original salesman finally noticed us and interrupted the process to tell the sales manager that we were his clients, presumably for commission reasons. We were patient and quiet up to this point, but my dad and I looked at each other and were ready for some revenge. I started to calmly let him and the sales manager know how rude and condescending he was by refusing to take us seriously and not even telling us the pricing of the vehicles. He denied it and my dad stood up yelling at him about being racist, about our family running a multi-million dollar company. We build and sell about three to five houses a year, so two million dollars is still technically multi-million and just going off on the guy. My dad ended up tearing his check in pieces and throwing it in the garbage. The old salesman actually took an angry step forward towards my dad, and I stood up to my full 6 foot 5 height and asked if he was seriously trying to physically threaten my father. It was utter pandemonium. The sales manager took the original salesman outside the office, and the second salesman joined them. We could see everything through the glass walls everywhere, and the manager was freaking out at him while the second salesman seemed to be confirming that everything we said was true. The sales manager came back with the owner of the dealership, who unbeknownst to us, also happened to be Indian. The owner apologized profusely. Then him and my dad spoke with each other in Punjabi. I could keep up enough to know my dad was retelling the story of our experience and then afterwards doing some wheeling and dealing again. We walked out of there with new and even better deals on each of our cars, and I made fun of my dad for not knowing that an Indian guy owned the dealership. As we walked out, the original salesman apologized profusely to us, but we kept walking. When we came back a few days later to get our new vehicle, we were told the original salesman was fired, and we felt zero guilt about it. 
If you had the money to go around and splurge, would you want to test people like this? Put on some old, well-worn clothing and see if those are quality salesmen that'll still try to help you regardless? Or would you say if you're going to a place like this that you should really look the part? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is from RBFam8191, Petty Revenge Against Spam Risk Calls. I still have a landline in the house. As a result, spam risk calls flood the line. I've blocked numbers, paid for robot services, asked to be placed on do not call lists, tried being nasty and rude. Nothing worked. The calls persisted. The calls persisted until I got an idea. A special idea. I would make the scammers regret dialing this number. I would challenge the toxic masculinity with five or six simple words. What are you wearing, hot stuff? Mmm, yeah. In a deep voice, followed by a growl of anticipation. I don't know why the lovers hang up all the time. Just tell me what you're wearing, sexy spam risk. I mean, hey, as long as it's not a robot on the other end, you're probably going to get pretty good results trying to flirt with these scam callers. Me personally, if I had a scam caller like that, I'd want to be like, okay, listen, I know this is a scam, but I want to get in on this. How do I join you guys? I wonder if they would hang up if they would just try to deny it while asking me to go pick up iTunes gift cards at Walmart. Or maybe they would try to induct me. I don't know. Our next story is from Rogue Volcano. My housemate is messy, but today he's cleaning. I'm a clean person. Definitely like my space is clean and visually appealing. Unfortunately, my housemate creates 90% of the mess. Dishes in the sink for a week. A dedicated dirty dish sink for him. Freaking gross. Leaves fried fish grease pans on the stove overnight. Smells up the whole house. Tracks dirt into the house. The floors are nasty as freak. And leaves stuff laying out. Like dirty socks and used dental floss in the living room. He's just generally dirty. Never mind the indiscriminate and loud belching sun up to sun down. I always clean up more than my share, particularly in the kitchen because, for the love of God, I refuse to put my clean food on his dirty counters. I try to leave the rest of the house alone, but it's so annoying. Usually I just stay in my room. We get along socially, but generally, he's not my cup of tea at all. The only time he ever does clean, and I help, is when we're having friends over, which is about once every two months. Tonight we planned on celebrating a birthday, but the birthday girl is sick, so she cancelled. I texted everyone else to let them know, but when I went to tell my roommate, I heard him doing the dishes, gasp, and thought, screw it, I'll tell him later once he actually cleans a bit more. For the past 30 minutes, I can hear him organizing and cleaning, and he just spent half that time vacuuming. Once it sounds like he's finished, I'll be sure to let him know that tonight's cancelled. Until then, I'm staying in my room and letting him clean up his own messes, which I know he wouldn't do otherwise. It's not even noon and it's already a win of a day. On a scale of neat freak to absolute mess maker, how would you guys say that you are about keeping your places clean? I'll be honest, my stuff usually gets a little messy or disorganized before I get around to cleaning it, but what about you guys? Our next story is from Spagged Scully, Revenge on an Old Employer. I worked at a customer service call center. I was there for 7 years and created 33 new or updated documents for them to use because I'm highly trained in Microsoft Office programs, Word, Excel, etc. These documents were used at 3 different branches of the company in 3 different states. When I started having emotional problems and had to see a psychiatrist, they decided to get petty and try to make me quit by treating me like crap. 
i.e. giving me the horrible shift hours, making me miserable, demanding I do extra work, and then stating I wasn't going to be getting our yearly raise because my work ethics had become erratic, though all of my coworkers were praising me for keeping up with their ridiculous demands. Anyone who's had issues with the company, who doesn't want to have to pay unemployment benefits and would rather force you to quit, will be highly aware of the type of tactics companies pull when in this situation. I had originally put a watermark on all of the documents, but when I became so emotionally drained from having to deal with their demands and actually had to check into a psychiatric institution for a 48-hour hold, I had enough. I knew I wouldn't be coming back after I got out of the hospital, so right before I went to the hospital to check in, I deleted the only copies of 27 of the documents that were for internal use only and locked the last six with a password that I gave to one coworker friend who had already given her notice and only had two days left. Two days during a time that none of the higher managers were actually present because it was the weekend. I ended up staying in the hospital for almost two weeks due to the emotional state I was in. During the third day of my hospital stay, the company called my house five times trying to get a hold of me to find out where I'd put the missing documents and what the passwords were for the locked ones. My family stated specifically that because they had driven me to the point of having to go into the hospital, there was no way that they were going to ask me for any information that had to do with the company. After the fifth call, my family told them that if they called again, they would report the company for harassment and stalking-like behavior. One of the managers actually tried to call the hospital to get a hold of me several times only to find out that I wasn't allowed to take any calls from anyone besides my family. On one call, the manager tried to pretend they were family, only to discover that my family had given the hospital a list of my actual family members just in case someone from the company tried this tactic. When I got out, the company called me two days later. When I picked up the phone, the person that had called had been one of the biggest perpetrators in the way they'd been treating me over the past month of my employment. I told her flat out that the documents were gone for good, as were the backups, and the password lock documents were set to delete after a month of when I'd locked them. When the manager said they were letting me go, I said, thank you for the unemployment benefits, and hung up on her. When a company you're working for drives you to the point of staying multiple days in the hospital and helping compound with other issues that leave you in the hospital for multiple weeks, you can't blame OP at all for what they did. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every video has a lot of awesome stories in it, like our next story from Satriala's Pork Store 1, My Upstairs Neighbors. They're absolute jerks. They're unbelievably noisy, inconsiderate, and entitled, to name but a few of their flaws. Myself and others have approached them to ask them to calm it down, but have only been met with a barrage of abuse. Nobody else in the apartments likes them because they're always impinging on someone else's life in one way or another, be it noise, their children running riot, stealing people's parking spaces, shouting at people. I could go on. They refuse to tone down their behavior even after being asked very, very nicely. We have a large bank of mailboxes in the hallway. So now, every time I empty my mailbox, I put all of my unsolicited junk mail, which is quite a lot, into theirs. For a brief second, I feel like I've won. 
Honestly, having seen some people who had a lot of unsolicited mail coming in, it's honestly pretty nice just to be able to offload that stuff without having to deal with it. Whether it be putting it in a shredder or maybe like a recycle bin or the trash if you're just lazy. Our next story is from Electrical Ad 390. Sexist PE teacher had female superiors. When I was in high school, I was quite athletic. I adored sports and did well in any event that didn't involve a net at the center. Tennis, badminton, volleyball, etc. I sucked at those. In year 9, our class had a male teacher that would split the class into girls versus girls and boys versus boys. A vast majority of the girls in my class weren't interested in sports, and it made it extremely boring for me as a result, so I requested to join the other group and was told I couldn't. When I asked why this was, he told me that whilst I had the ability to play against the boys, most of the rest of the girls didn't, and if he said yes to me, he'd have to say yes to them too. I decided to boycott PE as a result, and was sent to detention for refusing to participate. I'd always been a good student, so when I explained the situation to the teacher running detention, and asked to leave to speak to one of the senior staff of the PE department, they had no issue with it. Now, this teacher had previously played for Australia in the women's hockey team, and I'd also bonded with her on a school camp the previous year. She was absolutely mortified when I explained the situation and assured me that this would not be an issue going forward. From the next lesson onwards, the separation of sexes was abolished, and when the more delicate girls complained, the teacher made it clear that it was my fault. It never would have been an issue if he had just let me compete to my ability, and I would have cared more for the other girls' feelings on the matter if they weren't all bullies of mine. But as far as I was concerned, That was a flock of birds with one stone. Yeah, to be fair, whenever we were doing group sports in my gym classes, there was almost always a sizable group of girls that would kind of cluster up. Like we would play dodgeball with the entire gym, and then there would just be that cluster of girls that stand all the way in the back in the corner, maybe like five to seven that just talk amongst each other while the game is going on. At least in that situation, it was all okay. They let them just kind of stick over there in their corner. And the only downside was inevitably when a ball went careening into the group. There was a lot of high-pitched screaming when that would happen. This next story is from many, many books. Didn't you know that other people may also speak a second language? Dealer at a casino was dealing to a full table. Two women friends were playing and were talking to each other in their native language. They were having a lot of fun and laughed quite often. After a while, they needed a break and left the table and reserved their seats. Once they were gone, one of the other players said that he spent some time in their country and spoke their language. He said that the biggest laughs they were having were when they made fun of the size of the dealer's, you know what, small thingy jokes the entire time they were playing. The player asked if he should say something on behalf of the dealer when the ladies returned. The dealer said, no, just give me a signal when they make a small thingy joke. The ladies returned and started to play. A few minutes later, they laugh and the player gives the sign. The dealer stops dealing. He looks sternly at the ladies and says, I speak your language, but I don't use it as everyone at this table speaks this country's language and it would be impolite. He then holds out his hands about a foot apart and says, and by the way, it's this big. The ladies were very embarrassed and left the table. I'm not gonna lie, what the ladies did sounded like fun. I'm not saying the joke sounded like fun, but being able to kind of joke amongst yourself about stuff, 
while at least feeling like you're incognito does seem like a pretty cool thing, but it only goes as far as the people's proficiency in other languages around you, and you have no idea. You're really taking a gamble that nobody else would know that language. This next story is from Autumn Laughter. In elementary school, I got even with a bully. In elementary school, I was hanging out with another student, Allie, when Jessica came over and said she had to show Allie something. We both walked over to the playground, and Jessica told Allie to stand in a specific spot on a higher ledge so she could see something. She kept pointing across the field, telling us to look. Allie knew better as Jessica had been bullying her and had a reputation, so she said no. Then naive me comes along, thinking everyone has the best intentions, so I followed Jessica's instructions to see what she keeps pointing at. Well, when I stood on the ledge, I immediately realized I stepped in dog poo. I was pissed and Jessica was cracking up. I took a twig and was cleaning it off my sneaker. I proceeded to take the poopy twig, found Jessica, and threw it perfectly at the back of her head. It stuck to her hair. Jessica never tried anything again. Well, yeah, you don't want to mess with anybody with that kind of aim. This next story is from AKSNITD. Fine, I won't take any photos at all. My ex and I aren't together for many major reasons, but there's one silly thing I'll never forget. When we were dating, my ex complained that her exes never took candid shots of her. Fair enough, I'm not a fan of posed photos myself, and I wanted to practice taking photos, so I get to practice with my favorite subject who's willing. Great, right? Um, nope. Turns out the ex needs to approve every single shot I take. One time I took a shot of her sitting in the balcony. Nothing fancy, just a casual shot. She grabbed the cam, deleted the photo, and told me I was forbidden to keep any photos she disliked, even if I never showed them to anyone. So what am I supposed to do then? According to X, I was supposed to take hundreds of shots so she could approve maybe 10% of them, if that. What about shots that I like even if she dislikes them? Nope. Must be deleted too. By the way, this all happened way back before smartphones and social media were a thing. I was digging out my pocket cam for this. Facebook existed but hadn't taken over our lives like it has now, and Instagram was still in the future. So it's not like I was blasting these shots all over social media, but no, X must approve any shot. I just never took any photos after that. That in itself wouldn't qualify as petty revenge, but we went on a trip to a really nice place sometime later, and I still inwardly grin that there isn't a single photo of her in that place, especially after she spent so much time digging out her nice dresses and whatnot for the trip. I think we can all agree that it's a very annoying thing here for them to be like, oh, there's never any candid photos of me, but then anytime you do take an actual candid photo, they're upset that it isn't posed. It's like, what do you want? Do you want a candid shot or do you want something that looks professionally posed and taken? Our next story is from emufunny7588. My sister doesn't want to free her live-in unpaid maid, so I got her fired. Obligatory backstory. Many of you have probably heard of families with strong hierarchy structure, normally with the eldest in the family having the most influence. My family's one of them, except that my parents are drug addict deadbeats, so my eldest sister... 31-year-old female, our entitled mother, raised all five of us. She's the boss of the family. She says, jump. Everyone says, how high? The focal point of the story is my youngest sister, 20-year-old female, who I'll call little sister. 
Most of us have had a handful or at least a couple of memories with our mother before she lost her stuff, except for little sister. For her, Entitled Mother is the only mum she ever had, and Entitled Mother knows how to take advantage of that. All of us noped out of our parents' house as soon as we turned 18, except for Entitled Mother, who waited until little sister and our brother were raised and in their mid-teens to move across the country, and soon found jobs and accommodations for all of us to move to the same state as her. Little sister begged for years to move in with her, but Entitled Mother always denied saying that somebody had to take care of our father and because she and her new husband needed privacy and space. That was until Entitled Mother got pregnant. She got little sister to move in with her and she's been there for the past two and a half years helping out. Now to the story. Entitled Father's family wanted to visit for a couple of weeks, so little sister had to stay with me for that time so that they could use her room. It's worth noting that Entitled Mother didn't ask or let me know about it. She just dropped little sister off. One day, she saw me studying for my master's degree and said something about how she always wanted to go to college, and this is how it went. I say, so why don't you? Little sister says, oh, I talked to Entitled Mother about it, but she said not everyone's the college type and that I wouldn't have time to work, study, and take care of niece at the same time, and it's expensive. I say most people work and study, and at the same time, she can put niece in a daycare. I'm sure it wouldn't be that much more expensive than what she was already paying you. She says, she doesn't pay me. She already gives me food and shelter, and if I need money, I just take a shift at work. And this is how I learned that my sister was not only babysitting, but also cleaning the whole house for free every day. She was even only working 8 hours a week at her normal job because she was too busy taking care of our niece. Long story short, it took me weeks to convince her to apply to community college and then take more weeks on the actual process, but she finally got confirmation she would start in September. All of that behind Entitled Mother's back. She was planning on telling everyone the next time we all got together, which would be Independence Day. But before that could happen, Entitled Mother got everyone together at her house to announce that she was pregnant. Little sister starts crying because now she wouldn't be allowed to go to college. Entitled mother gets deeply hurt and offended that she planned this behind her back. I butt in, our other siblings butt in, it's just generally a mess. How could you do this to me? Who's going to take care of the babies? I can't believe you'd be so selfish. If you like OP so much, go stay with her. These were all some of the things she said. She kicked me and little sister out, who stayed with me until they made peace. Both of our siblings reached out, one to say that I should have minded my own business, and the other to tell me that she was on my side but wouldn't say anything. After that, little sister moved back with her and didn't go to college, but they agreed she would get paid $6 an hour and be allowed to take more shifts at her job until the baby's born, and then go to a real college after the child turns one year old. I know it's messed up, but all of them, especially little sister, worshipped Entitled Mother like a god. I waited a year to act on my revenge, making sure my sister had saved enough money to live on her own. The revenge? First, what I did was research the legality of paying a homeless person in food and shelter. In the US, and depending on the state, it's illegal as long as you don't cross the line and the person becomes an employee. For example, you can give the person a list of tasks you want done. However, you can't say that it has to be done in a certain amount of time. You also cannot request someone to be somewhere at a certain time. 
you can ask but not demand on the time. It comes down to a choice of words. Also, you have to comply with the rental laws. If your local laws say that you must give 30 days notice to a tenant, then you must give 30 days notice to this person as well. I had proof of all of the situation, several screenshots of entitled mother admitting not paying and not allowing little sister to move out or get a job and also admitting to kicking her out whenever she wanted. All this technicality seemed worthless since no one would sue her, but that didn't matter. I just wanted to make sure that her boss knew that if she were to be sued, it would be a sure case. Entitled Mother works for a civil rights attorney's office, so discovering she has a literal modern-day slave would probably get her fired. I could have just created a burner email and sent it all to her boss, but then they would explain to her why she's getting fired, and that would get me and little sister in trouble. So what did I do? Entitled Mother was always complaining about one of the bosses on her job that hated her and had tried to get her fired for ages. I went to the company's site found the woman, thankfully she was the only Ashley that worked there, found her Instagram and Facebook, there she had a post tagging her yoga studio, went to said studio and created my membership. It took a few weeks of trial and error trying to find exactly what class Ashley belonged to, but I finally found her. Then I went to yoga class every Tuesday and Friday at 8am for months, slowly building a friendship with her. Around three months in, she asked to follow me on Instagram, and I was already prepared for this scenario, having deleted the few pictures I had with Entitled Mother. After nine months, when our friendship was a strong baby, I brought up the crazy coincidence that I found out she worked with Entitled Mother. Before things could get awkward, I said, it's ironic that she works for civil rights, considering, you know, everything. That got Ashley's attention. I told her everything, showed every screenshot. I could practically see her eyes shining. They had their own history that's not important to the story. All you need to know is, Entitled Mother is a witch. Ashley wants revenge as much as I do. I told her about Little Sister's situation and why Entitled Mother couldn't ever know about this. This is why being friends with Ashley was so important. If I had just sent them proof and explained the situation, they would have probably just ignored it, since this was a very legitimate reason to fire her and they wouldn't risk firing her for a minor mistake and maybe getting sued. I sent her the files with her promise that Entitled Mother wouldn't hear about this, but she needed it to convince the other owner, who was the reason why she wasn't fired yet. Two months later, Entitled Mother was fired for minor mistakes, lateness, and general bad productivity. Small victory, sure, but I loved coming to visit her during the four months she was unemployed. She was looking so tired and miserable all the time, since she had no money to pay for a babysitter and little sisters away at college. So she actually had to take care of her children. Moral of the story, check on your siblings. They might be living in a modern slavery arrangement. Honestly, just good on OP for looking out for their sibling and trying to make sure they further their lives and not get saddled down being the babysitter of this kid for the rest of their lives, being just stuck in a room in their mom's house. And our final story of the day is by an anonymous poster. A date stood me up and now my best friend slash roommate is attempting to get even. I'll preface this by saying that neither I, 24-year-old female, nor my roommate, 23-year-old female, are particularly vindictive or vengeful. 
and this just started as a funny idea that's now turned into more of a dare between us. I met up with a Tinder date, 26-year-old male, a couple of months ago. We hooked up at his apartment and generally had a pretty good time. We added each other on Snapchat and realized we lived in the same apartment complex, so it had been convenient for both of us as well. We talked a couple times since then, but our schedules haven't lined up to see each other for a while, which brings me to the other night. I had just returned home from a kayaking trip with my friends when he snapped me and asked if I wanted to come over and watch Netflix. I said sounds fun, and I just needed a shower since I'd been on the river all day. I tremble at the horror of being caught with prickly legs, am I right ladies? I took 15 minutes to shower and get ready, and then messaged him that I was on my way. About 5 minutes later, I was outside of his building and I messaged him that I was there, but he still hadn't opened the snapchat or replied to either of my previous messages. I walked a lap around his building for the sheer purpose of not looking like a weirdo standing outside doing nothing while I waited for him to reply. Five more minutes went by and nothing, so I headed back to my apartment. It was only 11pm and being quite the night owl, I decided to stay awake, smoke some weed, it's legal where I live, and continue binging lost. Heck, we'll freeze over before I let a man ruin my evening. After about an hour, I checked Snapchat and he still hadn't opened my messages. Reader, let me just confess here that in my six years of being single, this is not the first time I've been stood up by a date after taking the time and mental energy to get ready. Heck, this isn't even the third time. And I consider myself quite a catch, so there's something fundamentally wrong with how single women are continually treated by men, but that's a different rant. I don't like to allow people to think they can abuse my attention like that, so I messaged him again. First, did you seriously invite me over and then fall asleep? Followed by, mess around on someone else's time. This crap is below me. I could have said something way worse. I could have insulted him or called him immature. Instead, I chose to defend myself and value my time and boundaries. After so many past people continually let me down or stood me up or wasted my time, it really started to wear on me. I don't usually go on dates or hook up with people. This was the first person from Tinder I'd made the effort to meet IRL since moving to a new state six months ago. It's very hard for me to get close to people because they always end up disappointing me. So needless to say, I have emotional damage and my kind, empathetic roommate was not impressed when I told her lightheartedly the next morning what had happened, because she was excited for me to get back out there. Not only did this man have the audacity to stand me up, dear readers, no, he messaged me at 9am the next morning, okay, call me Hitler, darn. That's such a lame response for three reasons. It single-handedly gaslighted my feelings, belittling the fact that I'd taken time to go over to his place and attributed my feelings on the matter to genocide, which is messed up for many reasons, one of which being that I have ancestors that died in that event. I really don't have the energy to deal with misogynistic jerks, so instead of replying to his childishness, I just deleted him as a friend. This all would have been forgotten if my roommate had not, within the past week, come across this dude on Tinder. This isn't the first time she's seen his profile, since we live in such close proximity, and that's how Tinder's algorithm shows you people. So she noticed he's since changed his bio from looking for a cute snowboarder companion to looking for someone to lower my stress levels, not raise them. This has sparked somewhat of a joke between me and my roommates about how fragile men's egos are and all that. 
Well, today my roommate mentioned to me that she had the urge to match with him, just to stroke his ego a little bit, and send him on a late night drive across town to meet up at her place and then ghost him. I joked with her back and forth about it for a bit before dropping the conversation, but now the temptation of it won't let go. She's dead serious about it at this point, and it would be easy to do since we could just give him the address to an apartment building where our friends live on the other side of town. There's a chance that he genuinely did fall right asleep within 20 minutes, and that's not a crime, but the unapologetic response was a jerk move. So, should I let my roommate match with him to give him a taste of single girl medicine? This actually creates a very good debate. Was OP with what they said in the wrong here? Like, let's say that guy did invite them over to watch Netflix, and in the 20 minutes they took to get ready and take a shower and get over there, the guy did fall asleep. Was OP overboard for saying all the stuff they did? The, did you seriously invite me over and then fall asleep? And then also the, mess around on someone else's time, this crap's below me? Or did the guy deserve it for basically doing a booty call and then just falling asleep? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.